When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Noons is an absolute podcast. Christian broke Andy in the pre-roll, so if you're watching the video, he is out of commission. I uh, am with you as always, Steve Haller. Joining me as always, Christian DeGuzman and Andy Pregler. We're 3-0. How are you guys feeling? The Andy needs to consult a doctor because he clearly doesn't know how to contemplate what Syracuse 3-0 feels like. <laughs> I did not know that when I turned 3-0, Syracuse would be 3-0. This is all just like worlds <laughs> colliding and things are hard and things are difficult. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're all feeling feelings Syracuse after that Syracuse has to contemplate stupidity. being an adult right now. That's, that's just tough. Well, yeah, that, we just got out of the actually, awkward yeah, 20s let's, stage. <laughs> yeah, Let, let's, let's go to that, because that game we saw yesterday, for all intents and purposes, was like two toddlers not wanting to admit they wanted to get older and uh, fighting over, a, a you know, scraps of God knows what Lego set they're playing with. Um, but, then one toddler, but then one toddler just got sent to his room right. a lot earlier. <laughs> repeatedly. Because, repeatedly. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. One toddler got yelled at four different times, and it cost them the game. And that was not Syracuse yeah. for once. <laughs> yeah, what, Actually, a turn was... of a, what a turn of events. <laughs> One toddler got called, uh, got sent to his room seven times in 30 seconds and had to had to receive a kick. That and, was the other, and the other toddler was like, well, one of those wasn't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, Christian, there is so much about this game that was stupid. What was your favorite memory from that stupid game? Oh, Andre Schmidt kicking a field goal. Um, I mean, a kickoff from the from forty five yards. Oh, that was that was Brady Denenberg, wasn't it? That was Brady Denenberg. That yep. was Brady Denenberg. Yes, and yeah, Brady Denenberg kicking a forty five yard field goal for a kickoff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not to be confused with the Purdue kicker kicking from his own five or fifteen or whatever it was. It was just ten. Uh, it was his own ten. ten. His own ten. His own ten. <laughs> You, you know it's a weird football game when, first of all, the coverage team starts at their own 20. <laughs> and on the opposite side, okay. the return team starts. The return team has their returner <laughs> starting at the 30. Yeah. I can honestly yeah. say this. Um, I wanted Dino to onside kick it. I really, like, what is the worst that happens when you onside kick it from there? They get it at um, the 35? Great. <laughs> The, the, the worst is that your special teams, there's the good and bad of it. The bad is that, you know, special teams, special teams, and they return it and then boosh that, down, that down the end zone and then uh, and an awful. But the good thing is uh, Syracuse decided this year for some reason, you know what we're going to do on special teams? Have half the defensive starters on mm-hmm. the field. Uh, you know what? You know what helps with that, Christian? Having a special teams coach. Shocker. Things are better with a coach. <laughs> yeah, it came in handy. Oh Although I can say, uh, you know, uh, 
defensive back skills notwithstanding, Deuce Chestnut should never be a lead blocker for anyone. Because that was wow. horrible. <laughs> wow. Oh, what gave you that idea? Oh my god. I was the 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 lineman in me was like, anything, just get a hand on him, do something. He's gonna you score. Know what the best part about, you know what the best part about this? The national media is not gonna realize that happened in this game. Oh yeah. No, no there was plenty of other stupid on top of that stupid. Yeah. Um, so you could have if, just served that on a platter and everyone was like, What? Do you do you know how I know Syracuse is three and right now? We're actually talking football to start the pod. That is very true. There's no five minutes of exposition. We're right into the stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I do want to kind of talk about the special teams thing because special teams last year was so bad. Like, I do not think that anybody who does not follow Syracuse football for a long period of time understands how we went from special teams U to the laughingstock of special teams within the span of a calendar year because we did not have a coach for reasons that still mystify me. Um, I mean, does Vanderbilt really have that much money? Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, well, SEC, yeah. I mean, revenue share. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Um, but the thing that I that I just kept taking away from this whole game, like, Christian, you kind of joked about it, but it was really true. The starters on special teams are real, and I was watching the game with my friend Chari. Shout out to Chari. He's from. He's actually moving back to central New York, so I have yet another reason to come visit you, Steve. Um, the, but he was saying that he read something on Syracuse.com. I do not remember who wrote it. So my apologies to them and their fine staff. Um, but that Dino's response was basically like, listen, these guys get stiff on the sidelines. A 30 yard sprint is not the worst way to warm up for uh warm up for a drive. And I kind of respect Dino being a dick about not actually answering the question, which was <laughs> the answer is. We were terrible at this last year. I'm trying to mitigate this way, this thing with like a snarky answer, but it's working really well. Like honestly, special teams in this game was the reason that Syracuse was able to get outgained and still win. It was the reason that Purdue had to put together several successive successful effective drives in order to even be in this game. Like they this was like a vintage Syracuse performance from 2018 where we were not going to win the efficiency battle, but we were winning the field position battle to a point that we were essentially telling Purdue every time they got the ball, if you want to score, you need 60 yards. And in college, that's going to be good enough to keep you in most games. <laughs> it's, still, it's still, I still consider it class A bullying that Michael Jones is a gunner on kickoff <laughs> and, and punt recoverage. Yeah, yeah. Between that and Elijah Clark just sprinting down at full speed, it's like, oh, okay, guys, this is that, that's that, yeah. that's that's actually bullying. Who, actually, that <laughs> first punt, the first punt from Denneberg, uh, Elijah Clark came through. The guy didn't even see him, and he just cleaned <laughs> him out. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my god, he had to have fair caught that. He did not, and he got no, his, he did not. He got he got he, house. He got whooped. So yeah, um, apparently having good people playing special teams comes in very handy. And here you know we what? Are. I just I just realized we're nine minutes into this podcast, and we didn't say the thing that we should have probably said. Syracuse beat Purdue thirty-two oh, twenty-nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that was somehow living under a rock and did not see that game or hear anything or whatever, and were your first news of this, uh, Syracuse is three and zero, guys. They they won. <laughs> um. 
the uh bef- I know we're we're not going to get to the UVA preview yet. Um I would like you both uh to guess what FPI Syracuse like ESPN's football metric. What does FPI give Syracuse in terms of a win percentage this weekend? Oh god. Uh, well, I saw the I saw the opening line as minus eight. Ben okay. Eight and a half. Oh, I, yeah. So it moved already because that's what happened last. Maybe. Uh, the it could be good. Yeah. Uh, FPI gives Syracuse an eighty-nine percent chance of beating <laughs> UVA. <laughs> What's okay. Brendan Armstrong thinking right now? And- He's can thinking, I please have Robert? Can I please have an A and Beck back? He's thinking he's I should have transferred to Syracuse. <laughs> yes. Is Syracuse's offensive line better than Virginia's right now? Right now, yes. Which is hard to say because our offensive line is not great right now. <laughs> exactly. And and they they mostly look as bad as they do, especially in the run situation, because of uh, the anthropomorphic uh, ungulate that I'm sporting on my shirt being out for the season. For- so. Yeah, for those that are listening. I, to this I, podcast. I caught a couple. I caught a couple of uh, replays, like on a couple of like run and pass situations. And Max Ming does just not have the same power blocking that no, Chris Elmore has. No, he does not. So yeah, for anyone, uh, as Andy noted, for anyone uh, who's <laughs> listening to the pod and not viewing it on the, uh, the Twitch stream, uh, I am rocking a Chris Elmore number five uh, Rhino shirt. Um, which was his his NIL deal. So um, proudly rocking that in in honor of our our fallen rhino. <laughs> that sounds like some African safari shit that I don't want to dive into. Yeah, um, what, whatever the, that is, it's definitely Chris illegal. El, so. Chris Elmore is Mufasa in this story. That's oh. what this is. Oh, too soon, man. And oddly, actually, no, soon. it's been twenty uh, years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant it's, too soon on the Elmore thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, our dad, our big, our our favorite dad, uh, is is gone. Uh, actually, Christian, you brought up. I'm glad you dove into this before we get into the good of this game. Syracuse had a 20 percent post game win expectancy according to SP Plus, which takes the box score, looks at the things that matters, and then says, "If you play this game a thousand times, what is the likelihood that this outcome happens?" And the answer is Syracuse does not win this game a thousand <laughs> very often if this game is played a lot. And I think a big part of this was the run blocking game. Purdue was able to do a lot with a very basic uh, front four approach, really, that was troubling. Christian, you you led off with it. Max Mang as a lead blocker is not the same as Elmore as a lead blocker. One of the things that I noticed a lot, I'll need to look for some actual stats on here. Syracuse was running a lot of pistol its first two weeks, and I personally yeah. like the pistol formation because it provides a lot of flexibility for looks. Uh, they really kind of abandoned the pistol in this game. And I think a big part of that is because they didn't have uh, Chris Elmore as a lead blocker in motion to kind of set up what they wanted to do with Tucker out of the backfield. My general feeling on this was that Tucker was stopped. His initial point of contact was behind the line of scrimmage slash at the line of scrimmage way more than it should be. Did you see the same thing? And is this something that we need to be worried about against bigger teams? Not necessarily Virginia and Wagner, but against an NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame, etc. Definitely Clemson because Purdue's defensive line routinely fought off the offensive line block 
and kind of just got an arm to Tucker, and that was enough to slow his momentum enough to stop him right in his tracks. That was the most concerning thing to me is that there was a lot of there was a lot of contact that Tucker can fight through, but solid contact when he first got touched to the point where he wasn't going to go much farther and wasn't going to be able to produce the same amount of yards after first contact that he's used to doing. Since the defensive line basically was big enough to kind of just plug holes really quickly and then f shed their block in really quickly once they realized the run was coming to essentially stop Sean Tucker just by pure strength and force of will rather than Sean Tucker going through guys after first contact. That's a concerning thing for me is that the offensive line had to do a better job of keeping those defenders tied up more. And that's easier said than done, right. but it's a it there was a lot of quick first contact where Tucker when he's making those 5-yard runs, 6-yard runs that we're normally used to seeing He's usually at least, like you said, Andy, two yards past the line of scrimmage. And at this point, he was basically at the line of scrimmage every time he got touched. Right. Which was concerning. Now, part of that also was that um, Schrader, who had been lights out for the first two games, came back down to earth a little in this game. So they could, you know. Definitively, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't have to take all of their linebackers and say, go cover somebody or sit in a zone underneath so that, they don't you know throw any dumps and we're able to at least you know quicker a little quicker to key on the run versus uh if schrader was still pumping on all cylinders i think he finished did he finish just under or just over 50 percent? it was right around there um, i think it was just over yeah no no um, no under under 13 to 27 maybe i don't know why my brain is saying that but yeah Dino, um, Dino, Dino compared Schrader's outing to a pitcher who did not have his good stuff. Yeah. And the thing is, though, if you'd have taken that game and that stat line of 13 of 27 for whatever, however many yards. 13, 29, 181 oh, yards. With three TDs, you would have taken that last year all day. Yeah. And that, that would have been good Schrader from last year. Yeah. So for us to be disappointed and that to be a down outing for him is it's impressive in its own right, but it's, it's definitely something that also allows Purdue's defense to key on him slightly differently and be able to, you know, focus a little more on the run, especially when the pockets collapsing and he's, you know, not as, um, uh, they're able to, you know, key run a little more and be able to contain him. So, cause he didn't do much on the ground either. Well, he also uh, like no, he actually I think he, uh, that was one of the things that kept him in it is that he actually did a decent amount on the ground 17 rush 17 rushing attempts 83 net yards okay so like, it's more than I thought um yeah no no that that was one of the things that kept him in it yeah was that Schrader was running a lot of option with Tucker okay and basically right. and basically extended some drives just on his rushing even better yeah I think my my issue with Schrader in this game was goes back to that decision making that we have um, given him a little bit of a, a hard time for in the past. Like I think that a lot of those designed option plays that um, uh, Christian is talking about were actually 
good reads by him because so often Purdue was just swallowing up Tucker at the point of contact yeah. that mm-hmm. Tucker was essentially a, a a dummy for Schrader to like make a move. Uh, fine, but when it comes to what everything else was around him, it it just it just fell apart because. He got hit early on in the game. Uh, I don't exactly remember when the play was, but it was somewhere in the second quarter where he got tackled and a Purdue player was basically holding his ankle while someone else came up top. And it was that whole, the base stays solid, the top gets twisted, and you knew something wasn't right. I don't know where something wasn't right. Carson Del Rio Wilson had to come in for a play where he threw a, attempted to do a fourth down conversion but cross or third down conversion and crossed the uh, line of scrimmage on a throw that was complete and looked great, but he just had no spatial awareness as to where he was on the field. Uh, you know what you're going to get from a quarterback being shoved into a tight situation very early that all this is to say Schrader was not operating at hundred percent speed. So a lot of those option plays where Schrader should turn the corner and beat a he just wasn't able to do it. And I don't fault that on his decision-making. I just fault that on his health. That comes, and so I'm double-checking right now to see what his grade was in this game, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. They gave him a, uh, well, actually, fun fact, he now has a receiving grade because uh, Garrett Trader <laughs> ran a route, which I don't know if you saw, Steve. Yeah, I did. I was still... It was, so, it so was, those who it was keep, good. I yeah. liked it. Oh, yeah. If they did, if Juwan Price had gotten the ball to him... It, it I think been, it was LaQuinn Allen. Oh, it was LaQuinn Allen. Um, yeah. The... Uh, yeah, so for anyone also, Andy keeps kind of checking back. I was able to catch the first quarter and then uh, have watched the highlights and I was able to rewatch the tail end um, of the, the ultra stupid. Uh, but my son's birthday was um, this Saturday, so we kind of... Uh, I, uh, priorities. I, 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 lost, I lost the battle. Um, I volunteered to not cover this game and not see it, so... Um, to as to celebrate my son's fifth birthday so i think i made yes. the right choice and they came away with a win still still yeah um you you made the right choice for your heart so overall this was schrader's lowest rated game of the year not that surprising uh he was given a 59 grade on offense by pff so below the mendoza line uh a 63 or sorry a 65 uh running and at 54 passing, which I think kind of feels right. Like a, he was a little bit above average uh, running the ball, a little bit below average throwing the ball. I, I don't want to, again, he made the throws that mattered the most. I think that's really important. We saw that he did that last year on a very inconsistent basis. This year he's done it on a far more consistent basis. But Christian, I, you kind of hit the nail on the head like with the running game. Like There were so many times that Schrader was able to save a play. But instead of breaking it open like we've seen against Louisville or UConn, he just did enough to keep the chains moving. To me, it was indicative of his health, less so of the ability or lack thereof uh, of anybody involved. Yeah, I think that's a key. And then you go back to the uh, <clears throat> kind of the the accuracy thing with Trader, which is one of the things I really want to hit on, is that this is another scenario where us football nerds are going to clamor for an all 22 mm-hmm. because especially in the first half Schrader's release time on throws was significantly more in the first half than it was in the second half he was releasing the ball a lot quicker in the second half 
um, uh, just like we were seeing in the first two weeks of the season. Um, and that, to me, says one of two things. One, either he was not going through his progressions quickly enough, or two, and, probably, and the thing that I think was the thing that happened, was that receivers just were not getting open. And from what the coaches said, I think it's the latter, because Babers said that they went through a lot of second-half adjustments in the locker room in order to beat the man coverage that Purdue was running on every play. Yeah, I Christian, I think you had the nail on the head. This felt like a game. This season, we've talked about it a little bit, but the Louisville game and the UConn game, because of the quality of competition for the second game, the success of Schrader and Tucker in the first game, really hid the lack of talent in the receiving room. And not lack of talent in the sense of these guys are poor, but the lack of explosiveness slash game breakers that we're used to having. Like, if you think about good Syracuse offenses under Dino Babers, there's always been at least one player who you can count on to break the game open, whether it's Amba Etatawa or Steve Ishmael. Um, uh, who am I blanking on? Tristan Jackson, like these guys who you could reasonably count on at all three levels, short, medium, long, to make a play, to beat a guy, to take on the double coverage and run a really smart route. I do not think that Syracuse has that player on this year's team, which is okay. I actually we have think se- they do. I, okay. I do not think they have that player. Who do you think that player is? I think it's a Rondae Gatsiden, but I just think it's him. Um... But but he's showing he's shown throughout this season why he was as as we thought during the as what was revealed during the preseason that he was be quickly becoming the favorite to be the number one receiver before the whole tight end what the hell are we gonna do here situation. But basically what what that ended up being is Syracuse the Syracuse offense saying and basically the coach is saying, okay, he's clearly our best receiver. Let's throw him somewhere. Just yeah. on every single play. And, and let defenses have fun trying to figure out how the hell we're going to cover him. Makes sense. And it allows, you know, they've referred to his role as the flex role. And that literally, like, he's been everywhere. We've seen him line up wherever the hell we possibly could. So... Uh, I think they're they're all about that, and I mean, as we can see, uh, apparently Gary Trader can even hit a corner route to him, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Steve, I this is when I really wanted the all twenty-two. My first thought on that play was that Steve wants the all twenty-two to see where the pressure was coming from and to see what that route was, because to me, there were a couple of uh, there were a couple of replays that I think showed an all twenty-two. Yeah, there was. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got I to gotta find one of those because to me, it looked like, uh, again, not to be the offensive line guy, that's Steve here. It looked like Purdue ran a nice little stunt or a delayed blitz where they were able to get pressure up the middle like uh, pretty this, easily. Uh, this is what happened. Max Main had a soft block. Mm. That's what happened uh, in that play. Max Main had a really soft block. And Trader, and like to be fair, Gatson should not have been that wide open if there was safety. Like my first thought on that throw was where is the safety help? Yeah. Like that, that kind of pass, there should be, if you're playing a too high, which you should be playing in any prevent situation. 
so this and this is what also came out as uh, more and more national media got on the train of like, oh, this is a Syracuse team that we actually might pay attention to. People started realizing Purdue was playing cover one on that last play. Hmm. Like, uh, and I saw uh, that actually from Dan Orlovsky. So you know he knows what he's talking about. Right. Yeah. That seems I'm suboptimal. Why? L- let me see <laughs> like, exactly what puts... it was. Shit. Shit, run thirds on that. Like, run cover three. <laughs> like, put something over the top. You have, they need to score. Like, yeah. why are you running yeah. man in cover one? Dan, yeah, Dan Orlovsky. Lol, why would Purdue be playing press man cover one in that situation? <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, that is a very accurate statement. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, did. Alrighty, well, Gatson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, neither of you guys were in the Dome, right? No. So, I wish, in hindsight, like, I wish they'd have, the game had been, like, 7 o'clock or, like, Friday night. Um, you know, Friday night, like Virginia. So, uh, the the Dome against, when we were there for Louisville, or when I was there for Louisville, I haven't heard the Dome like that in years I'm assuming, you know, we talked about the mic placement for how how loud it was or whatever, but did, nah, well, definitely didn't on the defensive end, but like, was was everything there loud enough to actually like? What were reports coming out of the the impact of you know the twelfth man? I mean, we I just. I posted a thing in our Slack channel. Um, Kevin Wall just uh, like uh, retweeted. Actually, I think Orange Chuck retweeted it, and I think Kevin has retweeted it. It's from Tyler T. Taramigi, Purdue writer representing Golden Black. Um, I don't know what the goldenblack.com uh, is. I'm- yeah, Tom Dinert from goldenblack.com, which is a um, rivals Purdue site. There you go. So that's, he said, that's quote, pretty legitimate. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. He does not look like a young kid. <laughs> No disrespect to young kids like Christian and myself, but like he does not look like a young kid. Um, quote, I've never been in a louder venue in my life. It felt like there were about 100,000 people in here. Once they get the roof, uh, once they get going, the roof almost lifts off this place. You can see why it's a difficult place to win. Uh, I was sitting next to somebody whose parents have season tickets. Uh, he is the guy that's moving to Syracuse. He's a big Syracuse fan. And we were talking about this the whole time that like from a construction standpoint, Replacing a soft roof with a hard roof feels like something that would amplify volume just in general. Like, I am not a physicist. I do not understand how sound waves work. Steve is the scientist. What would the roller coaster on top of that do? <laughs> Steve the roller, is the, the scientist. The of course, amplifies things. <laughs> yes. Uh, it just seems like, in general, like this dome is louder with a smaller pot. Like, listen, we will get into the failures of the Syracuse athletic department to sell tickets to a exciting Syracuse team at a, at a later time. Uh, I would like to see a more full body of work before we start making, before I turn my hypotheses into statements. Um, but it sounds like in general, the student section and the lower bowl are turning a 30,000 person crowd into a 60,000 person crowd that is getting amplified by the dome's acoustics. I'm I'm curious here, Steve. Like we've talked about it a lot uh with Wait. Syracuse's issues in the first game. Like 
communication is tough in general, especially in a situation where your hours of planning are limited based off of NCAA rules. Um, it seems like teams, we saw this last year with Liberty. It seems like teams are underrating how loud a domed environment is because it just, there's not one that exists really on this side of the, of the Mississippi river. And it's a really truly unique one-off experience for teams to come to the dome and have to deal with this. There were a few moments where Purdue was trying to run some kind of account and they could not get the snap off. Right. Obviously they were still able to be fine, but uh, to your point, it wouldn't surprise me if on the defensive side of the ball, if you're trying to make an audible through the mic, like the mic linebacker, yeah. you're not going to be able to get anything through there if the dome is loud in any kind of sense because you just you can't hear anything. Even when Syracuse had the ball, the place was loud, but Syracuse is running so much up-tempo stuff without account, it, right. it didn't really matter. Now, you would almost think that Purdue, a team from West Lafayette, Indiana, which is outside of Indianapolis may understand domed stadiums like in Indianapolis. They do not play at the Indianapolis stadiums. Yeah. No, the but it's not like it's a foreign concept to them. <laughs> well, you say that, but also, like, you have to consider, like, how... And maybe I'm underselling this point because I'm just being an ignorant football fan that and sports fan that doesn't know facilities. Like, how many of these programs actually have indoor facilities that can simulate that type of environment? Probably not, not many. many. Exactly. So, like, and outdoor, outdoor sound levels are still going to be uh, uh, trying to emulate indoor sound levels in an outdoor environment is still yeah. going to be hard because of all the sound that's bouncing and echoing off the walls. You can turn up the speakers all you want on a in an outdoor environment to try and simulate that noise but it's not going to have the same effect when it's reverberating off hard surfaces right and this is i mean this is a team that plays at the big house and at the horseshoe and they're it's still just not going to even though both of those venues person for person probably get like the people are louder yeah. uh and there's significantly more people there uh, comparing that to putting a roof on any of those uh, probably drastically changes things. I, yeah, and it's and it's got to and it's got to be a different sound quality mm -hmm. as well. We've seen we've then, seen with the PA, it's yeah. very tough to get sound quality out mm -hmm. of anything. Exactly. The, the 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 thing that that gets me with the dome and the sound and the noise that I think is is something worth calling out is that we make the joke about the Mike Veeley aneurysm every time there's a third down. It's an old Hoya. It's an old Hoya sucks uh, thing, which mm -hmm. shout out to you, Hoya sucks. Uh, I know I've met you and know your real name, but you will be Hoya sucks to me in all the time. Um, Matt Glad for anyone who cares. <laughs> I know, but he's Hoya, he's Hoya sucks. Uh. I'm sorry, Matt, <laughs> but you're Hoya sucks. Uh. Uh, the, the energy that does come with Syracuse football, like I, I'm not going to sit here and litigate football school versus basketball school. Like it's not worth having this argument, but I do think that there is something to be said about having a football fan base that is willing to go a little bit nuts. And there's a game coming up this Friday against a very bad UVA team. That's really important to keep things going. And then we get NC state after the bye week in the dome 
like there's an opportunity here for the home That's field advantage. Dome? Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> this is okay. So we're going to we're going to we're that changes things. We're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna forward look in a little bit. Um, but just looking at what's happened so far, we've had two games against Power Five opponents in Louisville and Purdue that have really struggled coming into the dome this year. Last year, we literally heard Hugh Freeze and Malik Willis talk about how hard it was to play in the dome. Uh, same thing with Bo- like other Boston College had some similar remarks. I'm sure there were other coaches that said this, said similar things. I think. The dome is becoming a space where when they lower the capacity from what is it? It's getting lowered from 50 to like 40 mid 40s or something. Yeah, I, don't, we, I know we don't have an official word on anything yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to matter. It's still going to no. feel like a, a a very loud venue. And I think that this is going to play up in Syracuse's favor. And shout out to Otto's Army, who who has come out in these well, games. Plus, and... people won't have back problems. <laughs> Listen. As as a person entering my thirties now, I get to enter the old conversation. My back is shot. Uh, I I cannot wait for non uh, bleacher seats. Um, speaking <laughs> of old, speaking of old things, home field apparel. Oh, I <laughs> thought it was going to be a joke about me. <laughs> no, no, no. Home field apparel, maker of the finest vintage. See, that's that's a code name for old, but home field mm. doesn't in a very classy way. Uh, vintage collegiate apparel they have all of your favorite schools purdue included but syracuse included as well uh t-shirts hoodies joggers crew neck sweaters whatever you can imagine that's cozy and comfortable home field will have it with a really awesome vintage collegiate look uh to that look uh to that shirt hoodie jogger whatever uh i can tell you uh the nudes magician crew knows this between us uh and everybody listening to this podcast home field is in the lab cooking up some new Syracuse apparel for us come this fall. It's going to be a really exciting time. I think that everyone's going to really enjoy what they have coming. Uh, But if you want to get ahead of the train and load up on the Syracuse collection, load up on another school's collection, use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. Connor and crew, we love you guys. Uh, I know you're Indiana fans, so you can be excited for us taking the Purdue L or be giving Purdue an L. Uh, and I know you love Purdue too, but listen, uh, go Hoosiers, go Orange, all the fun things. So Gentlemen, go. yeah, listen, I like their stuff. I would like more of their stuff, particularly free stuff and well, or give the, us this. Go get their core collection then if you want comfy shirts. Oh, I'm Steve. I'm peek behind the curtain here. When that sponsorship check comes through, that is exactly where it's going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. My cut, my cut of the Noons Magician podcast money straight to the core collection. <laughs> uh, this is why we can't have nice things, folks. Nope. Yep. Exactly. Uh, speaking of nice things, we've talked about a lot of weird things about the Syracuse Purdue game. Um, Purdue outgained Syracuse. They had a higher EPA. They had a higher pretty much everything. But ultimately, what mattered most, and I, I want to add, we joked about this off the top, the penalties at the end of this game. Um, <laughs> I have thoughts. They're very confusing thoughts, contradictory thoughts even. But what matters to me is this: we have sat and watched a Dino Babers team that has been so penalized. Throughout yeah. his entire yeah. tenure. It's so nice to be on the opposite end. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Christian. Yeah. I, so I, as I mentioned, I was at my son's birthday party 
and the the couple of other dads that were following the game along with me were sitting there and the one thing i said as soon as i saw the text of all of what was going down i was like it's not us for once holy crap it can be somebody else that blows things by penalty and the thing that is important to note here that the referees get some on-field calls wrong yeah there there were some that were like uh, like even as a Syracuse fan like yeah that's that's a soft one but at the end of the day you can't have all of those unsportsmanlike contact penalties because that is more black and white especially and... on your special teams coach yeah like players yeah. are young and they're hot-headed and I can't remember his name, but the tight end there. Uh, but he's a senior. I thought he was a senior, which is not great. Right. Yeah, that's not a great look. But, um, you know, having him jaw off in 15 yards, it's one thing. But to have that followed up immediately by your special teams coach getting teed up? Nope, wrong sport. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that threw myself I mean, for a minute there, right. but effectively... I thought you were going to talk about them getting carted up because that's what it kind of felt like it should be. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I'm trying, like I can, I'm mildly vamping because I'm trying to remember there was a distinct situation that Syracuse was in a couple years ago that this reminds me a lot of, and I can't put my finger on it of like the coaches getting, you know, another flag on top of stupidity. Might've been in the shape. Um, it was definitely the Schaefer error. You're thinking of the NC State game where Scott oh, Schaefer might that? have called. He called. It was at NC State, and he called the official the uh, slur that begins with an F that you are mm. not allowed to say oh, in any setting, yeah. let alone yep. during a football game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that one. No. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I just, just wanted to like remind everybody. That is a big – he did that in front of his boss, the athletic director, and you're wondering why he might have gotten fired that Monday. Um, just, oh, you know, that rem- yeah. speaking of NC State games, uh, this reminded me of the uh, the Casillo Ultimate Stupid game. Um, does this enter the Pantheon, even though we won, does this enter the Dumb Games Pantheon and start the tally for this year? Oh, yes. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. We're there. Mm-hmm. We've arrived. the The season can officially begin. Yeah. We've had a dumb game. Oh boy, yeah. it's only downhill from here. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, but this is and and this is my thing about this game. And like Purdue fans, I didn't really interact with you at all this week, so I can't really say anything about you all. Uh, but they all seemed like a relatively pleasant group that is stuck in the same situation Syracuse is, which is you're living in nineties glory. And this is just a fundamentally different sport and it's difficult. That being said, I'm really happy Syracuse. I saw some, I saw some graphic before the game that ESPN put out. That was Syracuse had not beaten a big 10 team since 2006, 13. Yeah, yeah. it was 13. It was the Minnesota, Texas bowl. Oh, I don't even know if that should count. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, is Minnesota really a Big Ten team? Unfortunately, yes. But like, yeah. But it's a Texas I Bowl. Mean, like, I was at that game. No one so was trying Rutgers. hard that game. <laughs> Terrell Hunt was. Oh man, he was the only person <laughs> trying in that game. Oh, I love. Okay, 
that's a that's another i have a fun story about that about autoing stuff that i probably shouldn't say, in the <laughs> we can say for another time. we'll wait for um, the post roll on that one <laughs> exactly steve and i um, are gonna have a fun time post show uh yeah but anyways uh syracuse is three and oh we beat purdue in a game we shouldn't have won uh last thoughts on the game steve i know you're gonna have the offensive line breakdown we know it wasn't a strong point in the game maybe Christian. i didn't get to it last week because well you know five-year-old but i'm trying to yeah i, and yeah, I, have, I have two thoughts yeah. uh one one um will be an article that i write on the site in a bit but okay. now feels like after that win there's a lot of positive momentum heading towards syracuse I think we can all agree on that. So now you have to leverage that if you're yeah. Syracuse. Yeah. And yes, you could talk about how you have to leverage that by bringing fans in. I'm more focused on you have to leverage that in terms of building your team. Because right now, the class of 2023 is frighteningly small. Like, like yeah. almost disastrously small. And I know they just brought in a big class, but you still have to, every year, keep supplementing the talent. Right. And you... And I went back to 2018 and took a look at what Syracuse did during 2018 to see like which recruits Syracuse got because of that season. November of 2018, you might remember after Syracuse won against Louisville, that big, that big like 30-point win against Louisville in the Dome yep. in 2018. There was a recruit in the Dome that day, and a couple of weeks later, he committed to Syracuse. And that, guy, and that guy's name was Michael Jones. That worked so, out. So you now have to... This, this is an area where... Uh, a time of the season where you have a ton of positive momentum. There's a lot of buzz around a program. You're building a new athletic facility for academics and stuff like that. You're bringing a bunch of dome upgrades with the money that's coming in from the JMA wireless deal. Syracuse now is in a level of optimism that hasn't been seen in five years. You've got to start now building that. And if you want to, especially in a year where we talked about not only a couple months before the season, about how important this year is for Syracuse football with all the realignment talk that has been happening. Yep. Like this is where you now have to, you're now, you are now in a position more so than ever where you can start to leverage that success and it's got to start especially with the incoming recruiting class yeah they definitely need to to mm -hmm. make a move on that the and, other nice thing is with the modern situation you can take this and leverage it in the transfer portal as well that too mm -hmm. yep so yeah. especially you know we're talking you know slightly subpar o-line play and i'm waxing poetic but does you have a couple of guys in Dakota Davis and Chris Bleich that are not coming back? Do you and a third one that's probably not coming back? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I I would love to keep my orange colored glasses and think there's a chance Matt Bergeron is still here yeah, next year, he's... but uh, he's the only thing holding this together at this point. So um, no, I think I think we're we're good there. Um, but do you bring in you know yeah Enrique Enrique Cruz maybe steps up somebody else maybe steps up do you bring in one or two other guys that are starter quality to say hey listen we've got this guy behind you that is a dynamic quarterback that you know you can work with and go from there and we have an offensive mind in an A and back that are working wonders right now so come play over here and Schmidt who's got a proven track record of sending people to the league 
So it's, you know, it, it helps out in the grand scheme of things. There's one other thing that I want to take from this game. And Andy, you know what it is. Because we talked a lot about it. And we talked a lot about it on the podcast last week. Me angry tweeting through it as well. I, yeah, I went me, for the, me too. Me too. I, we, we both went through the tweet through it strategy instead yeah. of the like, let's deal with this in a healthy way. Just tweet through it. <laughs> we said Syracuse should play man to man. Yet, apart from Charlie Jones being Charlie Jones, almost every big play that Purdue got was through uh, zone coverage. Uh-huh. Both touchdowns scored by Payne Durham in the end zone was in zone coverage. Funny how that happens. And and not only that, it wasn't until the second quarter when Garrett Williams started to play tight and press coverage right. against Gar- uh, Charlie Jones. And it just took Jones's natural skill to get past Garrett. Uh, by the way, on those plays, the one-on-one plays down the sidelines, I'm not going to put that on Garrett because that's just a receiver making a play and yeah. a quarterback has to get the ball there, and those are two uh-huh. good throws and a good receiver, and that's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. But beside that... Didn't work in the first quarter, and luckily Syracuse adjusted it then quickly when Garrick was starting 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. And Deuce was basically doing that the entire game, and luckily didn't get punished because, because Purdue's other wide receivers they couldn't make the, enough of a mark to supplement that. Mm-hmm. But now you have to start getting to the question of can actually anyone else in the defensive back rotation play man, which is which is a worrying sign because now it becomes the situation of, okay, while Tony White's defense is great and all, is he now being limited by what he knows his team can and can't do? Right. Because it should have been a pretty clear indication early on, just based on the statistics that Andy and I saw, when we're assuming that the Syracuse staff has that Purdue wasn't producing in man-to-man situations. And still, they ran zone a lot in key situations. Yeah, I, 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 Christian, you hit the nail on the head for me. My first thought coming out of this game is that Tony White is a really smart coach. He is not actively going to put Syracuse in a situation that doesn't make sense unless there is a very strategic reason for that. And we know that Garrett is a good corner. We know that Deuce has a ton of talent. But there's a lot of other members of that secondary. And if you're going to play man, you need to have the other three to six guys be able to handle that. And it certainly seemed as if he was saying, we do not trust the rest of this team to man up at that level. Which is worrying, considering who Syracuse has on the roster, like left on the schedule. That being said, I also, again, want to refer back to my first point. Tony White is a very smart coach. We might be seeing some very creative coverages where maybe Deuce and Garrett man up and everybody else plays some kind of zone. Uh, I thought the Purdue, like, 
I, again, Steve, I, I don't know how much you got to watch it. The Purdue offensive line play, I thought they did a fantastic job of moving the pre- of moving the pocket around for AOC. Uh, they were doing a lot of things where they knew Syracuse was going to bring pressure and they weren't going to be able to stop it in a traditional pocket. So they were moving the pocket around either on boots or right, on... There were so many plays where it was like they moved the pocket around and then gave him a lane to step up, which was off center. That I thought was quarterbacks can step up into a pocket (laughs) because ours sure as hell can't. Um, He just no, he just runs. He runs. That is yeah. He runs through the pocket. That is that's the difference. I still yeah uh, yeah. That's literally if he's stepping up into the pocket, he's gaining five yards by himself. Right. I still like that is of of anything with Schrader. That is my one complaint is that he just bolts out of a pocket way too quick and doesn't doesn't know how to feel his tackles who numerous times have had pass rushers that they were riding past him that he just bolts because of instead of feeling. But yeah, sorry, I digress. Yeah. No, I think that that's in there. No, no, no. I, I think it's accurate, and I think that that's something to look at, especially going into uh, next week's game against Virginia, Friday night at the Dome. Oh. I pulled up some PFF. Um, Let's talk it. So uh, listed in here is Carter Clark, who I have no idea who that is. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I've seen that. Yeah, that's Wes Ho. <laughs> number 47, the tight end, uh, Wes Ho, uh, also former offensive lineman. Go figure, of all the tight ends we have, is the best blocker of all of them. Um, as Christian alluded to, Max Mang, big old 29 <laughs> on the pass blocking. Not great, Bob. Not great. Um, and, and, and like 29, yeah, like, but, you know, he's not always going to block. He blocked on 25 passes. Right. Well, and that's, yeah, they, they yeah. Um, and then uh, line-wise, three of the five were below the Mendoza uh, with – Davis and Bergeron being the only two above. So uh, not great in pass blocking situations. Run blocking, um, not a whole hell of a lot better when it got to Dakota Davis with a 52, Fleisch with a 54, and Ellis with a 56. So I don't know what the hell is happening or what's going on with that interior, but it's not, not working all that well, and I think Schmidt's got some figuring out to do. Yeah. Um, I'm not... I'm not a huge fan of what we saw in some of those areas, but also not to steer this into the UVA preview, but like we're not actually going to face another team like this um, in terms of quality for a few weeks. Uh, Syracuse has a UVA team that struggled with Old Dominion uh, coming to the Dome this Friday. As mentioned earlier in the podcast, Syracuse, according to FPI, is a 89% uh, projected winner. They're eight and a half point opening line favorites. Brennan Armstrong is really good, but this UVA offensive line is really bad. And Tony White has now shown on multiple occasions that he can shut down a dual threat QB with a poor offensive line. Uh, This is not something I thought I'd ever say about Syracuse, but Tony White has done it. Christian, assuming Syracuse wins, again, Big assumption, but statistically a probable outcome. Syracuse beats UVA. They beat Wagner. They go into their bye week at 5-0. and 
this is not the reality I thought we were living in. This is not the timeline that I thought we were in. <laughs> I'm going to old take expose myself. Old takes expose myself here. I've, I predicted four and eight. Like, I, 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 I am very happy that this is the outcome. Well, this is what happens when you're like me and you set expectations low. Yeah. But, like, all things considered, this is a, uh, this is a tough... This is a weird situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And we are in another situation, like in 2018, where it's not just Syracuse that's rising, it's play. It's that significant members of the ACC are also are downgrading yeah. in their play as well, which is, not, which is helping Syracuse's cause a lot. Because now you have the Notre Dame game, which all of a sudden looks more and more like a win as the week goes on, as the weeks go on. Boston College has a team. And, and Pitt is... Do, do they, though? And you, you make a great point. Um, and, and Pitt is trying to figure out who their quarterback is going to be. Like, Yeah. Oh, they're, I think they're in walk-on territory. Like, next, next up is not just walk-on, but, like, go to the campus and say, hold open tryouts. <laughs> I think that's the next step. Does Kenny Pickett have any eligibility left? Because he ain't playing for the Steelers. No, it's going to be Penny Kickett. <laughs> oh, oh, um. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is that, that's the University of Pitt uh, player, right? Yes. 100 <laughs> So they, um, they did somehow eke it out against California next year yesterday, and Cal was ready to get back in at the entire game. But yeah, this is what Cal does. Um, <laughs> uh, that, I, that, quip, that quip of Tommy Reese and uh, and Drew and Drew Pine or whatever Notre Dame's quarterback is now that yeah. that clip is so funny. It's incredible. The, the just the timing of the director and producer to have that perfect cut to recently that's, that's me yelling at my dog to not eat shit off the ground yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god just too... um good. good stuff so but in all honesty like bill c's sp plus has us up to 49th which is still using last year's data and mostly the last four games of the year where we looked like butt um there's I've, I'm getting to the point where I kept talking about it today. There's an episode of Ted Lasso. It's the, it's the finale of season one, and the episode is called It's the Hope That Kills You. Uh, I am hopeful, and I don't want it to kill me. And I keep looking at this, and I say, mathematically speaking, a bowl is now all but like statistically uh, likely. Uh, are we going am I going to get hurt <laughs> that is my question am I going to be hurt <laughs> you, you know what I mean, this is going to be really telling and it's based on the Dino Baber's track record that NC State game will tell us a lot it's yes, always because the NC it's State NC State game isn't it yeah, it is, it's always <laughs> the NC State game yes. but three factors one it's widely considered, NC State's widely considered to be the second best team in the ACC. Yeah. Two, it's at home, so at least you have an advantage there. But mm -hmm. three, and the hidden elephant in the room that's the most important, it's coming off a bye. 
And Ooh, Dino Babers <laughs> has traditionally not had its teams play well here at Syracuse the week after a bye. Yeah. So a lot is going to... We're going to learn a lot about this team based mm-hmm. on how they perform after the bye. If it's, yeah. a, if it's a loss we can stomach against NC State, it, then a lot of minds are going to be eased up because there's going to be confidence that you can still win those three game, the games against those three teams I talked about, which are doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that but, stretch. But, no, but it, it, yeah. It looked like a murderer's row at the beginning of the season, and I stand yeah. by it. Like, at the beginning of the season, like, that's a, that's a yeah. hell of a stretch. It's just yeah. that these teams have all wickedly underperformed. Yeah. Man, yeah, I don't know. This is a weird. This is a weird place to be uh, podcasting. Yeah, it is. Oh, we're in uncharted yeah. territory, folks. It's yeah. Because, folks, I want to remind everyone: Andy and Steve started this in the 2020 season. I jumped on at the end of the 2020 season, so we were in a dark spot during that time. Oh yeah. Oh, yep. um, hold on. I need to see Noon's Magician. Uh, the Twitter account just tweeted, just retweeted something with Bill C. Oh no, that was just it, uh, Bill's. That was a, yeah, 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 Bill's reaching, <laughs> yeah, odds of reaching twelve and out. <laughs> so we are we are less than one percent. Um, I don't think that's wrong, but uh, you know. Steve and Christian, you each know one person who legitimately thinks Syracuse is running the table. I don't know if it's the same person. I'm just saying, like in uh, general, I think I've beaten, statistically, I think I've beaten most of my friends into submission on you know back to reality. <laughs> I would like to think most of my because most of my friends are broadcast friends, mm. and sports broadcasting friends. Like they know, right? Like mm. it's gonna it's gonna happen at some point. So like they're optimistic people. So. Yeah, most of mine are like Syracuse fans long enough that they, yeah, they understand. Um, yeah. The other thing I did see, though, is Syracuse is one of only four teams to uh, possibly five, depending. I don't know how the LSU game finished, but um, uh, that have beaten two power five teams and are still undefeated. So there's that. Oh, I saw it on Twitter. Are. I can't remember who it was from, but I know I saw it. Yeah. We are we are in the we are in the strangest timeline. We are in the one where Doctor Strange cannot tell us what the actual outcome is, otherwise the outcome will be impacted. Uh, this is this is gonna be a good time. Reminder again to everybody that the next Syracuse game is Friday night, not Saturday. Uh, it's at the Carrier Dome. The next three games are at the Carrier Dome. Three no, games in four weeks. It's, no, it's, it's not at the Wait, it's it's not? I thought the UVA game was at the dome. It's at the yeah, dome. Yeah, it's at the it's at the JMA Wireless Dome. Oh, stop it! It's the Carrier Dome to me. I refuse to be part of Great. this we've erasure. Get a, we've got a Carrier Dome truther. I see how it is. Keely has already submitted to the JMA Wireless fans. So when he has submitted, you know that <laughs> I, it's time for Syracuse fans to move on. Both of my football teams changed name sponsors this year. You're asking for too much change out of a homebody here, okay? <laughs> I, I, you only get one, and I refuse to give in to the JMA overlords. But now we're going to figure out that you're one of those people that call Destiny Carousel still, or whatever its name Yes, is. I do! <laughs> uh, that's, a oh way to, my God. that's a way to end it right there. 
Pip. Uh, thank you for listening to this edition of the Troy is an Absolute Podcast. Thank you if you're subscribed to uh, any podcast feed. Make sure you rate us, review us, subscribe, give us five stars, so that way we can expand the reach of the Ottoman Empire. Thank you to those of us who are watching on Twitch. Uh, we really appreciate you watching live or watching the replay. Uh, make sure you hit all the subscribe and ring those bells. Uh, it's just it helps us. Uh, we really enjoy doing the Twitch part of this. If you're reading this or listening to this on newsmagician.com through the article, we really do appreciate the continued support. We will have tons of content previewing UVA this week. Carolyn Darnay is already up in our mentions. Carolyn, love you, but this is not your week. Uh, as Steve kind of mentioned, uh, maybe at the top, I forget this is a pre-show or not, Alex Kirshner is going to be joining us for a special edition of the Troy News is an Absolute podcast midweek. That will be up on the website and the feed sometime in the middle of this week. We'll be talking about Syracuse from the national perspective. Uh, that's how you know things are good when national beat writers want to jump in on here. And as always, we appreciate Homefield Apparel sponsoring this. And every podcast, use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your entire order. Gentlemen, the 3-0 Orange wishes you the best. And go Orange. <laughs> go Orange. Go Orange.